What's up, healers? Marina Simone in the house. I am not. I get to interview the Air Quarry tonight. And I just want to share with you guys. I know some of you are like, I know who he is. I haven't really like tapped into a lot of his trainings. Or some of you are like, I know exactly who he is. Like I tap into all of his trainings. But I wanted to share quickly for you the story of why I chose him as that next mentor for myself. One, his wife is hot and I love her nails. And that was a no brainer for me, okay? She's just, and her name's Marina, done, right? The second piece is the way that Eric and Marina have truly stood up for this industry of network marketing. How many of you have heard someone say before, is that a pyramid scheme? Or, oh no, only the people at the top make all the money or network marketing isn't a real business, right? And I'm like, ooh, let's send them in podcasts from Eric Worry and prove how powerful network marketing is. And let me explain how much he stands up and he promotes this industry for us, okay? He's helped, and he'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the last time I interviewed him, he said 10,000 network marketers just like you get to six figures and beyond. Is that not insane? So tonight we're gonna talk about the three different phases that I guarantee you wanna identify what you are in. So this way you can take your business to six figures and beyond. Hi, Eric. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? You like my green? Huh? Says yeah, the, green, the, green, the, green's, the green's popping. Uh, <laughs> let me, I, I have to ask. Yeah. Because it's too far away for me to sh show you my wife's heel collection. I go through like three different internet zones, but between here and there. But as a guy, I will just tell you, I'm like, oh, that's your style. Okay, okay. I, I look at the wall of shoes. And I go, oh, that's her style. And then we're like walking somewhere in, in some some place and say, oh, so you'd like those kind of shoes? And she's like, no, are you crazy? That's like, the, I, I, what are you talking about? That's like the exact same thing. So I don't buy shoes, but she she buys all the shoes. Let, let me ask you this. What is the fanciest shoe that is the most uncomfortable? Oh my God, I can tell you right now, it's the Versace pair that Brandon really? bought. So I went and copied her and went and bought them and I wore them and I literally was like dying within five minutes and I'm the high heel queen. It's not the Louboutins, those, those are- I don't even buy those, I can't. My feet don't fit in them the right That's way. That's what I'm saying, they're super uncomfortable, right? They're the worst, I won't even buy them. Nope, uh, <laughs> no red bottoms here. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, you know, look, and, and, and same thing. I, I've got to go for comfort, my wife says, Fashion is pain. You just have to take it. Fashion is pain. You don't understand. You're a guy. You're stupid. So I'm like, okay, 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 fine, 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 fine. You just get what you want. I'll get out of the way. So my mom actually gave birth to me. When she went into labor, she had her pink, fluffy, high heels on. So it's like this big joke that like she had me with high heels on. My mom's a type that wears high heels with bathing suits. So I kind of like grew up with the high heel thing. And that's how I see mothers is in high heels. So that's how the whole thing came together. So it's I'm all funny. about com I'm all about comfort. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get fancy, but it's still got to be comfortable. Like for me, I'll just one more thing about shoes, and then I'll yeah. Start. The fancy sneakers, yeah. Like the you know the fancy Louis and the fancy all the stuff. They're so uncomfortable. They're yeah. so heavy. They're yeah. so uncomfortable. The fancy fancy sneakers. I have a whole bunch of them. It, like uh, the Dior ones, uncomfortable. Yeah. The Louis ones uncomfortable yep. the nike ones they're pretty comfortable the nike ones are really comfortable you know really i'm just saying or uh, what's the one with o on the side the sneaker with o on the side balance 
No, clouds, on clouds. Ah. On clouds, super comfortable. I'm wearing on clouds right now. Super nice. Anyway, so enough about shoes. I mean, no, we can sit we, here. We need, we need to talk about uh, uh, how entrepreneurs can, can buy all the shoes they want. Yes, buy all the shoes. Unlimited like, shoes. Unlimited shoes. That's our new mission statement, to buy so we don't have to hide from our husband. My wife says you can't have too many shoes, nope. too many bags, and nope. too many jackets. The jackets. Oh, yeah. I have yeah. an obsession, especially when you're on stage, because they look like jackets make you stand out. Yeah. They yeah. have this jacket that I tried on. Anyway, stop, Marina. Okay, so let's get into the stages, right? Okay. Bye. So when, when we were talking before, you said there were three different phases, right, mm -hmm. that a network marketer is kind of in in their business. And I thought that was really powerful and eye-opening. And I know that all of my leaders are going to be sharing this, especially with their teams. But I want to encourage you, if you're a leader in the network marketing space, this what Eric's about to share, it really helped me look at my team and decide, okay, what phase are they in? What phase do they think they're in? And how can I get them to that next phase and guide them and support them on it? So I would say definitely share this episode with those team members and leaders that you have. Let's All right. So uh, let, me, let me give you, there's three, I've been around network marketing for 35 years. And I've, I've built in the field, built teams, more than half a million people. I made a million dollar earner a lot of years personally. And I'm more proud about how many people I've helped to get to high levels. I've helped over 500 people get to seven figures a year, over 10,000 people get to six figures a year. I've helped millions of people have some level of success, build a part-time business. I know what I'm talking about. And I kind of see everything from around the world. And I've, I, when, when I look at at a career, right? You're thinking about a career. If you have a career for UPS or you have a career for working for some company or a career as a hair technician or you know, a nail technician or whatever it happens to be, a career, whatever that is, there's different phases. And in network marketing is no different. Phase one that I found is the most kind of distinctive is from start, from launch, until you get 10 recruits, 10 recruits. And this is not 10 people that are really just a customer. This is 10 people that have the intention of building a, a business, okay? The intention of building a business. So zero to 10, because, and you get that done, right? And the second phase is from 10 recruits to six figures. And that now it becomes about skills, it becomes about hard work, duplication, you got to learn how to do some things from 10 recruits to six figures. Somewhere in that journey, you should be able to go full time, right? This, this transition from launching to from part time to full time if you want to. Okay. And then third phase is from six figures to seven figures and beyond to continue to grow and scale that business. So I'd ask your audience, which one are you, one, two, or three currently? And there's no shame in ones at all. Most are in phase one. So we have to help figure that first piece out. There's no shame in that, where you're at. Everything that was big starts small. At one stage, Marina was in stage one, and one stage I was in stage one. But let me ask you a question. If people don't get out of stage one, will they stay in this business? Probably not. They might keep selling for a while, but what we really want to focus on is help them get that first 10 done and then teach them how to be a professional. 
Mm. You know, in that first 10, they're going to learn some things. They're going to get a check. They're probably going to rank advance. They're going to build some confidence. They're going to learn basically how this thing works. And then we can start to lean into skills. We can start to lean into becoming a pro, being able to go full time if you want to, being able to fire your boss, mm. being able to take charge of your life that way. I was just looking at a podcast that I recorded this last week and, and I asked this guy about entrepreneurship and network marketing. He says there's levels and some people want to get themselves to 5,000 a month and that's as big as their ambition to let them go. And that's great. Whatever is good for them. And some people are going to go to 10. Some people are going to go to 20. Some people are going to go to 30. Some people are going to go to 100. You know, some people go to a million. Some people go to multiple, multiple millions. That's up to you. You know, what I think we do in our business, we help people launch first, then we help them become a pro second, and then we let them go find their level. Cool. And the cool thing about what we do is you can't succeed without helping somebody else cool. in our business. You can't succeed by hurting someone. You have to help. You have to help somebody else do well. So that's the good thing about what we do. So I, I saw one person mention, you know, hey, I got 10, but I don't still have 10. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Don't worry about that. I will tell you my first three years in network marketing, I learned how to recruit, but I didn't learn how to create any duplication. It took three and a half years for that to happen. I would build up a little team. I'd build up 10 people and then they'd fall back down to like two people. And then I'd build it back up to 10, 15, 20, and then it would fall back down to five. And I did that seven times. And I was like, like, there's something wrong with me because I'd watch somebody like you, Marina, go across the stage, getting all the awards. And you know, how many people do you have on your team right now, approximately, or, or total? Over like over a hundred thousand. Over a hundred thousand. So, so she's like, oh yeah, you know, thank you for my award. I have a hundred thousand people on my team. And I'd be like, what in the world? I have seven. Mm -hmm. And when I look at them, I'm a little bit depressed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, that's my team. I, I, like I duplicated myself. Like, what is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. How do they have all of this stuff? It took me three and a half years to finally figure out how to help them get through level one. Mm -hmm. Ah, mm -hmm. and then I taught the next group. I taught those people how to get the next group through level one. And then, okay, it started to go. Then I started having more skills more systems, more duplication, more retention. I became a better leader. You know, and I, I learned how to use all the resources available to me. I learned how to build a leadership team, all of those different things. So what I would tell any of you that are in level one right now, first of all, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for, for saying yes to being an entrepreneur. I'm proud of you for saying yes to network marketing. I'm proud of you for saying yes to your company. I'm proud of you for taking the step because it's not easy to do. When you were first presented with it, you might've thought it was easy, but it's, we know it's not easy to go out there and build something. And it's highly emotional. Nobody told me when I first joined network marketing, it was going to be this emotional. It's because it's so highly personal. You can hide inside of a company, but in a network marketing business, as your own boss, you can't hide from anything. <laughs> you can't hide at all. So every Every mistake is magnified like crazy. So what I would tell you, no matter where, you know, if you're, if you're in level one and you want to get to level two, just focus on following instructions, just focus on that one goal, whatever you got to do to get that thing done. Now I will tell you, you, it's not like you graduated or something. 
you just put yourself into the starting blocks to be able to start the race. Getting the 10 gets you to a place where you say, okay, now we can run, now we can go. So focus on getting that done. And you know what, what I learned, and Marina, you, you tell me if this is the truth for you. You know what getting 10 really requires? A decision. Yeah. Like I'm gonna do it. Yeah. And most of the time, it's like you get mad and say, you know what? This other person did it, what the heck? Mm -hmm. Enough, I'm done, I'm getting 10. I'm getting in the car, I'm not coming home until I have 10, period, yeah. end of story. You know what I mean? I just, just determination, I'm gonna make it happen. That's how I did my, you know, when I got my first 10, it's just like, dang it, I'm doing it. Other people are doing it. You watch some yo-yo who doesn't have two marbles in their head and they, they get 10 and they get rank advance and they qualify and you're like, what in the world? I remember my first conference for my first company, a woman walking across stage as a seven figure earner and her saying, I don't even like people. <laughs> I don't even like people. So when oh, I was told that I have to have a relationship business, I told my sponsor, that's not gonna work for me because I don't like people. And in that moment, I'm like, I like people. She did this and she doesn't even like people. And she on stage was like, I'm glad she said it. Cause that was a really big moment for me of like, oh, anyone can do this. You know what I, yes, I, I, I found a couple things, right? First, they say that comparison is the thief of joy. I think that's true sometimes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes comparison is rocket fuel. Yeah, so, you know what I mean? It's just like, when you watch that lady, it was fuel for you. Yeah. It didn't discourage you. Mm -mm. But sometimes you compare to somebody else and you're just like, well, I'll never be able to be as good as that. Or you're comparing their 25th chapter to your first chapter, stuff like that. So I've used to, I, I've learned to do this and this took a while to do. If comparison was helpful to me, then I used it. And if it was painful or paralyzing for me, then I ignored it. Mm. I just compared myself to myself. So I'm a competitive person. I don't know how many people out there are competitive but I'm a competitive person. So I use that competition to say, like you did, if that person can do it, I can do it, mm -hmm. you know? And then I also use the inspiration of like, I remember the top earner in my company when I first got involved, I was 23 years old and he was like three years older than me and he was making huge money. Mm. And I'm like, dang, if he could figure that out, I guess I could too. It seemed untouchable, but I could get around him. I could find a way to meet him. I'll tell you one quick story. I was struggling, right? And he was so far in my upline that he never got paid on me at all. He never got compensated on my action, on my activity at all. And somehow I, I, I got his phone number and I called him. And, <laughs> and you know, I'm like 27 generations below him or whatever. And he's making, I think at the time, like $100,000 a month, long time ago. And he was like, you know, 27 and I was 24, something like that. He was going to go to Detroit, Michigan to do some meetings. I saw somebody announce he was going to go do some meetings. So I said, would you mind if I came to Michigan and I just watched you? Because I just need to see what a professional does because yeah. I'm working hard. I'm not getting results. And he said, yeah, sure. I'm going to be here from here and here. I'm staying at this hotel. Yeah, sure. No problem. All right, cool. I have no money. Nothing. I'm broke. Totally broke. I get in my mint green Pontiac 6000 and I drive the 12 hours to Detroit and I don't have the money to check into the hotel. So I sleep in my car in the parking lot and every morning I have my one little suit and I'd add a couple different shirts and I would like towel 
shower or towel bathe in the lobby bathroom, put on my little suit, get a cup of the free coffee. I don't drink coffee, but I just sit there with my little cup of coffee like I was up and I just came down from my room every morning when he would come down and he'd say, okay, let's go do these meetings. <laughs> we go do the meetings. I, I'd follow him around and I learned so much from saying, if that guy can do it, I'm going to model what he's doing and I'm just going to do it. I'll give you, I'll give you one really interesting thing that happened that week. I don't know if I've ever told you the story, but I watched him do something. This, this is back in the days before zoom, when people would have meetings in conference rooms and, and hotel meeting rooms and stuff like that. So it's a lot of like business conference room type stuff. And he was doing meetings like two, three, four meetings a day for like a week and every couple hours. And there'd be 10, 15, 20 people in that meeting. He'd do a presentation, same presentation every time. Mm -hmm. I thought the presentation was just okay, but he'd do the presentation. But afterwards I watched him and he would pick somebody out of the crowd and he'd say, you know, come here a second. I want to talk to you about something. And he'd take him kind of down the hall and I was like listening in and he said, I look for talented people for a living. I, I look for people with high qualities. That's what I do. And out of this whole, everybody in this room, I think you have what it takes to go to the top. I just wanted you to know that. And if you decided to do it, we could do something powerful together. And without exception, the person would say, oh, I'm in, yeah. um, let, let's, let's go. Thanks. Thanks for that. And they go get, go get him signed up. Right. I watched him do it like two times. And then th that evening before I went back to my car, after he went to his room, I went back to my car, sleep in my car. I said, Jeff, what is the, what is the deal? He said, well, listen, my whole purpose for having a presentation is to get rid of all the tire kickers and find one person. Mm. So if it was a zoom, whatever, get rid of all the tourists and find one person, pour my belief in them, get them excited about their future. Let them know that, that we could do it together. And he said, I have huge success with that. And if I sign up one good person out of every meeting, the rest of my life, I never have to, to, to worry about anything else. Everything else is just a bonus. And I'm like, well, what do you look for? He said, well, sometimes they look for a sparkle. Sometimes I look for a little bit of interest or they're nodding their head or they're engaged. If I'm asking a question, they're raising their hand, whatever. I said, well, what if, what if they're not? He said, it doesn't matter. Aaron. What do you mean it doesn't matter? He said, I'll show you tomorrow. Okay. So we go to the next meeting and there's a guy, if you've ever done a meeting or a home meeting or whatever, there's this guy who's like, always like this, in the front row, just <laughs> nasty look on his face, no reaction at all, kind of scowling and shaking his head most of the time, just the most negative person ever. And I'm like, wow, this guy's bad energy for this room. Crazy. But guess what Jeff does at the end of the meeting? He goes to that guy, taps him on the shoulder, says, can I talk to you for a second? And I'm like, no way. <laughs> so he takes that guy down, you know, around the corner. And he says, you know, look, I know you're putting on this tough guy thing in front of everybody. I know you're acting like this, you know, grumpy dude. But I also know that if you decided to do this, you'd crush it. I also know maybe you've had some disappointments in the past but you've got unfinished business when it comes to being an entrepreneur. I know it for a fact. And the guy was like, how did you know? And I'm like, no way. He took the most negative guy in the world. And all he did was single him out, give him some special attention, let him know that he believed in him and said, you know, hey, you want to do something? 
Now imagine when you, with your personality, you, you get excited, the whole world is going to step up. He's like, yeah, you're right. Let me show him what I got. I'm like, okay. So anyway, that's uh, an example. Anytime you get together in the Zoom, you know, like, I don't know who it is going to be. Is it Latika? Is it Arlene? Is it Shay? Yeah, is it yeah. Kuban? You know, who is it? But there's somebody that we need to identify that is going to be the super, the next superstar and, and pour belief into them. But anyway, that's an example of a lesson, an example of getting around some people. Example of, I was hungry enough to finally learn how to be a pro. And I would use examples of inspiration and I'd use examples of people who didn't seem like they had their act together and they were succeeding as well. Yeah. And I just eventually figured out how to do this. Belief is such a weapon. I literally was literally writing like my next podcast on belief and like how belief is such a weapon that's underutilized mm -hmm. because most people don't have that belief or support from anyone, not even some of their spouses or from a family member or from even a best friend that you've had forever about this entrepreneurship journey. And that belief is what we have to instill and transfer into that other person. And, and I'll tell you today, it was so, so funny. Sometimes, you know, weird stuff happens where people are like, are you Marina Simone? And I feel so weird. It's happened like a couple of times, but it happened today at my daughter's dance. We're new dance studio and the girl's like, are you Marina Simone? This, this woman. And I'm like, uh, yes. And she's like, I follow you on Facebook. She's like, I'm in network marketing too. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. It was really awesome to like hear her say, I love what you say. It was very inspiring. It made me believe in myself. And then she started telling me how she's like, I kind of gave up on network marketing. And right before I left, I was like, listen, when you're ready to do this for real, hit me in my DM because you know you gave up and you shouldn't have. I like saw, Summer, I saw that spark in her eye. like. She knew that she, you know, whatever. She just maybe didn't yep. have that belief. And so I want to encourage all of you, like that belief is such a weapon. It's so crazy how like everything yeah. comes in alignment with what we're talking about now and what happened today. I love it. Yeah. I, I you know, belief, belief is, is definitely a gift. Yeah. It's, it's a, something that you can give to somebody, somebody else. But yeah. some of you are like, well, nobody's believing in me. Borrow ours for a moment. Nobody's believing in me either. Everybody was expecting me to fail. I had I had so many failures in my life up until the time I got involved in network marketing. The only thing I was good at was starting over. I mean, literally, I had no track record at all. But I had the gift of desperation. I had no choice. I finally had a vehicle to be able to go kind of pursue my dreams, right? But if we get back to recruiting for a second, it, let's say you're good, you're good at selling. Okay, you love your product. You're good at selling. What I realized real fast getting involved in this profession is that there's only so many sales I'm going to make. I can't reach the world by myself. If I want to reach the world and if I want to get away from a job and have a business, some people are just selling products. They think I, I, I own my own business. No, you don't. You got a job. Mm -hmm. You're your own boss, but you have a job. You do not have a business. A business implies scale leverage, earning when you're not involved, that type of thing. So selling, there's only so much I was going to sell, but if I could get a team to do it as well, a lot of people doing a little bit, then I could get going. So let me tell you where you build confidence and belief. You build confidence from evidence. Ooh. You build confidence from actually combination of either modeling somebody else's success having a proven plan of action 
you know, that you're following, even if somebody else's plan or ultimately getting results. I have a mastermind tomorrow and I'll, I'll give, this is for high level people, but I will tell you this, quantity is the solution to almost all of your problems. Oh. You know, quantity of whatever activity is going to do, going to help you is, is the solution to almost all your problems. Because if you do more quantity, you can get a feedback loop of saying, oh, that worked, that didn't, that worked, that didn't. And then you can get quality. But if you don't ha have quantity, you can't have the feedback loop good enough to be an expert. If you want to be a great dancer, guess what you got to do? You got to dance and dance and dance and dance and dance. You want to be a piano player? Guess what you got to do? Quantity, 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 feedback, 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 and then quality shows up. So it's hard to look good and get better at the same time. At some point, you've got to be willing to do it messy. Yeah. You've got to be willing to do it when it's not perfect. Yeah. Right? So I will give you a confession. Here's a quick confession for you. I'm an introverted person by nature. I don't know about you. Marina doesn't seem like one to me. She seems I like- I am. The camera okay. brings a whole nother side of me out. All right, all right, all right. For sure. A lot of people are. <laughs> a lot of top earners are. You'd be surprised. Let me give you a definition. Introverted people lose energy in a crowd and they need to go recharge by themselves. Extroverted people gain energy in a crowd. You know, they, they, they need the crowd to gain energy, right? So, I'll psych up for a situation, but my battery is going to go down pretty fast. I just have to know that about myself. But as an introvert, when I first started, I'm going to, here's my confession for you. I hated recruiting. <laughs> I hated it so much. I was so uncomfortable. I was so insecure. I was so afraid of being embarrassed. I was so nervous. And they told me, guess how you overcome discomfort? You just have to do it a lot. And for some people that might be true, but it wasn't true for me. I never got comfortable with it. And there's this huge lie going on in the world today. And it's being told by billionaires, millionaires, titans of business. Only do what you love. Because if you only do what you love, you never work a day in your life. And it's the biggest pile of nonsense ever uttered. I do not know why the people are saying what they're saying, because they need to qualify that. You have to have a passion for the ultimate result but you got to be willing to do the stuff you don't love in order to be able to get to that result. If there's a promise that you want, there's a price that you have to pay. All the time. You know, so what's going on right now is people like, well, they said only do what I love and I don't love recruiting. So I guess I shouldn't do this business. <laughs> only do what I love and I don't like selling. So I guess I shouldn't do this business. I learned to sell and recruit because I love this. Yeah. I love community. I love connection. I love competition. I love camaraderie. I love friendship. I love seeing the world, helping each other, contribution to, into other people's lives, helping our customers, all this stuff. I love all that, but I hate the recruiting piece of it. Ugh. Taking a, a drowning person and trying to rescue them while they're trying to drag you down with them. Mm. That's mentally how I would kind of approach this in my mind. It's like, okay, this person's drowning. They don't know they're drowning. I'm going to try and help them from drowning and they're going to try and drown me. And yeah. I don't like swimming that much. <laughs> so I'd have to psych myself up and yeah. I finally learned how to do it. I learned how to recruit on demand. I can recruit on demand any day I want without a problem. I'm, I'm not going to love it, but I'm, I'm willing to do it in order to get to the other side. There's a whole process. I was just going to say, there's like a process that- Yeah, I'll give it to you. Talking, oh. Well, I'll give it to you in summary. Ready? Summary. 
You need to find people to talk to. Got it. Okay. Today is easier than ever. Find people to talk to. Find prospects. Two, you need to have a conversation with them. Doesn't need to be a business conversation. You just need to have conversation. Okay. There's something for your notes. All business is conversation. Cool. It's all it is. So you have a conversation with them. Three, this is where we lose most people. You need to pivot that conversation to a business conversation. When it's appropriate, when it makes sense, with a little bit of charm, a little bit of elegance, you need to pivot to a business conversation. Then you need to invite them to take a look at what you have to learn about your potential solution that might be a fit for them. And then you need to learn how to present it to them in a way that's not all about you. Because if it's all about you, you only are, you're only going to recruit people who look up to you and never people who think of themselves as the same or never people above you, kind of like psychologically, you know what I'm saying? So if you're a 10, you're a super influential person, you're going to recruit eights, they're going to recruit fives, and those people are going to recruit threes, and pretty soon nobody can afford to pay for the product, right? You have this group that kind of crumbles in on itself. So if it's all about you, it's a problem. Yeah. And if it's all about you, then you have to have all these skills and you have to be amazing and all this stuff. So you have to find a way to present that's not all about you. And then you need to keep the conversation going. You started this conversation, keep it going. And answer their questions, overcome their objections, help them understand, give them more information, keep the conversation going. And then when they're ready, help them make the decision. Don't twist arms. Don't try to strong arm anybody, help them make the decision to be involved like a professional. So I learned at the beginning in level one in particular, that the amount it takes to overwhelm a level one person is almost nothing. You can give them the tiniest task. I want you to make a list of 20 people. They're gone, they're out, emotionally paralyzed, seriously. I mean, ask them to, yeah, the, the, do the tiniest thing. You have to like dumb it down and make it so simple. Not saying that they're dumb. I'm just saying that they're new inside of this business and you need to make it very basic so they can take a step. And once things get into motion, they tend to stay in motion, right? So they have more conversations. They pivot those conversations. They invite, they present, they continue the conversation. They close, they help them get started and then they go do it again. They build their confidence. They build their belief, you know, because, hey, I just did that. Now I've got somebody on my team. Then once you get past level one, then, then what are you going to do with the people that you brought in? Teach them to do exactly what you did. You might have some limiting beliefs about your ability to recruit. Like I have limiting beliefs about how fit I could be because I've tried it so many times. And you might have limiting beliefs about recruiting because you know, maybe you've tried it before and it hasn't worked out quite the way you want it to be. But I just want you to give yourself permission to dream for just a second. What would happen if you were able to add 10 new business building distributors to your business in the next 30 to 60 days? What would happen? Would you rank advance? Would you earn some bonus? Would you get a bigger check? Would you be proud of yourself? Would you build belief? Would you show your family that all this effort is worthwhile? Would you be a good example to whatever team you have right now? Would you get the attention of your upline and said, you know, they're going to pour into you now because you've shown something? You get all of those things, right? So now think about anybody that's ever joined your team, whether they're active or inactive. Let me give you a secret. If somebody joined you at some point, 
and they're not active anymore. Why do you think they're not active? They thought they could recruit and then didn't. And here's what I will tell you. Reason why I care about this so much, this profession has been incredibly good to me and my whole purpose. I do think at some point you have all the shoes and you have all the bags and you have all the stuff. You know, we have all kinds, our lifestyle is ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. After your lifestyle gets ridiculous and you're able to contribute to the causes that are important to you and you can help your family and do all the cool things, I would just tell you what is amazing is being able to contribute and help somebody else. And I know, here's the thing, you guys. <laughs> there was a woman that's making seven figures that said, I don't like people in yeah, this yeah. industry. <laughs> Think about yeah. that. Think about that for a minute. Right. Well, and, and I'll bet you she came from some sort of background that was, you know, where she, where she probably wasn't treated well. Yeah, trauma. Absolutely. And she found a community where she was treated well. And yep. she could, you know, you know what's cool about what we do? We have the choice to only work with people that we like. Mm. We don't have to work with anybody you don't like. When you, yeah. you remember when people used to go to offices and sit in cubicles? they have to sit next to somebody they didn't like all day, every day. Yes, it was exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. They people putting on fake smiles and, you know, singing fake happy birthday songs when somebody in the office had a birthday and nodding in meetings that were meaningless for their whole existence. Talking crap and behind the corner. Just hiding. Yeah. Just hiding and waiting for an annual review. That's what most people do. Yep. So... There's, there's another thing that's going on right now is people are saying, oh, you can work for yourself, be your own boss, be your own boss. But all they're describing is a job working for yourself, not a business. You can drive your Uber car, you can rent a room out of an Airbnb, job, job. You can you know, knit scarves and put them on Etsy, job. You can be a graphic designer, job. Show me something that you can start where you can have leverage and you can have scale where you can build an army. Marina's built over a hundred thousand people on her team. Can you believe? Imagine that for just a second. How many people have you recruited, Marina? Personally? Probably like all together since I got involved, eleven hundred. Eleven hundred people. So she knows what she's talking about also. <laughs> okay. So eleven hundred people has turned into over a hundred thousand. And you're a you're a yep. seven figure earner now, yes? Yep. Seven I, I want you to think about this. How many employees do you have, Marina? For my brand? For, no, I'm talking about for your network marketing business. I don't have any employees. Zero employees. No. How expensive is your office building? I don't have an office building. How much did you have to invest in uh, your your inventory for your business? I don't have to hold any. How inventory. much did you have to spend for the business licenses to be able to operate all around the world? I don't have to have any of those. How much do you have to pay somebody to keep track of all the sales and make sure all the commissions are taken care of? Not anything. No one, not at all. How <laughs> and, and you don't have to you don't have to babysit any employees? Nope. You don't have to hire and fire? Nope. I don't have to yell when the POs aren't filled right. I don't have to deal with How much do you have to deal with the glass ceiling and being discriminated against uh, with your check because you're a woman? None. Zero. Hmm. What kind of dress code do you have to, to wear in order to be able to, to get a, a raise? This is my favorite question. I can wear a bun on my head every day. Mom bun. 
So show me something that can produce that anywhere on planet Earth. How much did you invest to start your business? $399. $399. Add that, $399. You did that and you turned it into all the things I just described. Show me something, anything. I'll wait. Yeah. Please, let's debate. You, you, you present your opportunity to be able to create what she has with that investment and working hard, learning, becoming a pro, building your brand, of course, all that stuff. Show me. And show me something where you can get the attention of somebody like this woman and she'll mentor you. Ooh. All you have to do is raise your hand and say, I'm willing, I'm coachable, I'm hungry. Teach me. And she will. I mean, like, come on. If you didn't recruit that same $399, you just sold products and you're an influential person, you got to build a big brand, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. How much would you have made? How much, how long you've been with your company? My current company since 2017. 2017, six years. How much would you have made just selling product the last six years? I know I'm not really good at just selling products because it's just like hard for me to just talk about products. So not <laughs> maybe. About how much? I don't know. I, mean, I, say I, may, I probably make about 2,500 a month from product sales. All right. So 2,500 a month, which is about $30,000 a year. That's after six years mm -hmm. and another hundred on top of it from building a team mm -hmm. per month. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's important to recruit? Do you think it's important to teach people how to recruit? Like, yeah. Come on. I'm just telling you, I've become unemployable. I know Marina's it is now unemployable. Very. It's like, there's no job you could offer me that I would say, you know what? I'll, I'll go to work for you because mm -hmm. I get all of these benefits of, you know, for me, work for myself. I, I work to help all of you, like Marina does, works to help all of you. But if you're working in a job that is paying you 10 cents on the dollar, if you are being tolerated instead of celebrated in the workplace, whatever you work for, you have to have an escape plan. You got to start mapping out your escape plan. You got to start digging holes in the wall. You got to start, you know, take your fingernails and start digging a tunnel to get out of there. And step one of doing that, get you through level one. Eric, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for being on and just seriously, every time we have a conversation, I learn something new about you. And I love the story that you just shared about like being in the car and like sleeping in the car and like that moment for you, it didn't stop you. And I'm just, thank you for sharing that. Cause I know a lot of people are in a place right now financially where they feel like there's just no way out. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that piece. Thank you. All right. Love you. I'll see you soon. I love Everybody you. have a great night.